Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. We are Shay and Jordan Cornette, and we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Good morning to you all. So last night we learned that Mike Tomlin has decided Big Ben's going to take a seat this Sunday when the Steelers go up against the Browns. It's a must-win situation for the Browns to get into the playoffs and they will not have to face Big Ben Roethlisberger in the season finale because the Steelers have already clinched the AFC North title, so it'll be Mason Rudolph that'll be making his first start this season for the Pittsburgh Steelers under center. Uh, Mike Tomlin said he might also sit another player or two. I'll let him explain that, though. Here is Mike Tomlin, Tomlin, Steelers head coach, on what his decision is and what he's going to do on Sunday. I don't want to make this seem like it's a preseason game. As I mentioned, Ben is the only guy that I'm willing to acknowledge that will not play in this game. Um, so this is this is no preseason game where we're playing backups, where we have player 54 through 75 to evaluate and things of that nature. We got one NFL football team. That NFL football team will go play. Mine is Ben and maybe another guy or two. And so um, I don't want to make more out of it than what it is from that perspective. Okay, makes perfect sense, I think, from a rest standpoint, Jordan. Big Ben's a little bit older at this point, and – you're now approaching the playoffs, and the Steelers have already locked up a certain seed. And so why go out and risk injury? My argument to that would be we have not seen this offense play good football in the last three and a half games. You've seen a quarter and a half, really, of good offense from the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last month. So why would you sit your offensive drinkster, <laughs> for lack of a better term, the guy that makes it go, instead of giving him some more reps with a team that needs to develop a little bit more chemistry, a little bit more rhythm, a little bit more on timing and and not dropping passes, et cetera, et cetera, going into the playoffs. He doesn't need to play the whole game. Why sit him the whole game? Have him play the first half. Go out there, get acclimated, see if you can pick up where you left off against the Colts, and then we can talk. It's a straw that stirs the drink. What did I say? A, a, a drink stirrer. You could have just gone with straw and yourself. But it's yourself. not. Sometimes it's the hard things. Yeah, what, what she said. Um, <laughs> yeah, so ultimately I think you, you got to rest Ben Roethlisberger here in this one. 38 years old, came off season-ending shoulder surgery a year ago. What was that? <laughs> season-ending shoulder surgery a year ago. <laughs> there you go. It's an alliteration. There's a lot of S's in there. There is. Um, and Miles Garrett is on the other side lining up in this one with playoff implications on the line for the Browns. So Miles Garrett understanding that he needs to get home and he needs to hit the quarterback for some fumbles like he's very capable of doing and has shown all season long. If he doesn't miss two games this season, I believe he has he would have had the opportunity to win defensive player of the year this year. It's gonna to go to TJ Watt ultimately, deservedly so. But Miles Garrett is a disruptor. He's a game changer on the defensive side of things because his ability to hit the quarterback, hit him hard, and let the 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 cards fall where they may. You don't want to roll that kind of dice with your your prized piece in Big Ben. Big Ben is your ticket to winning. At least that's what they believe in Pittsburgh. I'm not as high on Big Ben this season, despite what I saw versus the Colts in that second half. But he's a Hall of Famer. And you see these teams in this position right now in Week 17 with postseason hopes on the line, starting quarterbacks that we, quite frankly, haven't even really heard of. I mean, you look, at, you look in Los Angeles, John Wolford. You look in Washington, Taylor Heineke. Who's going to start in Arizona? We don't know yet if Kyler Murray's going to be able to go. All three of these teams need to win to get in. Their quarterbacks aren't healthy because of injury, and now they're crossing their fingers looking for a higher power to get them in and hoping these quarterbacks don't make mistakes. 
Why would the Steelers risk postseason and, and maybe being without Big Ben because Miles Garrett got home and put some hits on him? Miles Garrett's 6'4, 271 pounds. You don't want him touching Big Ben. Remove Big Ben from the game. Just say whoever we play in the playoffs is who we're going to play. We saw enough from Big Ben in his entire career as a Pittsburgh Steeler. We saw enough in that second half versus the Colts. We've seen enough this season to know who he is and what he's going to be. Most importantly, let's keep him healthy and out of harm's way. So I cover the NFL a lot. You know that. So I talk to a lot of NFL coaches or former coaches, I should say, on the radio or on television or whatever it may be. And and some have told me that in some situations when you have locked up a certain seed or you're already guaranteed to go to the playoffs, sometimes you'll sit your starters or adjust your game plan going forward, not play halfway, but either sit starters or adjust your roster to give yourself a more favorable matchup where should you lose the game, the matchup you're going to have could be more favorable to your team to get a victory and advance in the postseason. According to our researchers here at ESPN, I was told this morning that the Steelers have the strongest chance if they lose the game to the Browns, they would face the Ravens. What has the Steelers done twice already this season to the Ravens? Beat them two times. They know the Ravens very well. It's their biggest rival, you could argue. And so if they sit Big Ben and, as Mike Tomlin said, another player or two, perhaps this provides the Steelers with a better blueprint going forward in the playoffs to win more than one game. Um, With that being said, on the other side, this now becomes a must-win situation for the Cleveland Browns. It already was because they have to win to get into the playoffs, and you know how hungry this Browns fan base is for them to get into the playoffs and get a W in the playoffs. However... Now, Baker Mayfield, is your time to shine. Last week, we all gave him a bye. They lost to the Jets. They didn't have their wide receivers on last-minute notice. I understand all this, okay? But now you need to go out and you need to prove that you are capable to hang with the big boys. Go beat the Steelers without their starting quarterback under center and do it convincingly. More pressure than any other team heading into this weekend, a Week 17 that means a lot to a lot of teams. Most pressure is on the Browns. Go get paid, Baker Mayfield. Go get paid. Because that's what's on the line here, too. A belief that this is our franchise quarterback. This is a guy we need to lock up. This is a guy we need to move forward with in Cleveland for years to come. If you deliver a postseason berth by beating a, a rival, which you can't even really call a rival because the Steelers own the Browns, uh, but if you come out here and beat a, a Steelers team that's laying this one up to a degree because Mike Tomlin said no Big Ben, he also hinted that other guys may not play one or two. Well, who those one or two are is, is – going to be a really big deal. Is it TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward? Two guys that are that are arguably defensive player of the year for certain in TJ Watts. Uh, TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward is up there in Think the conversation. <laughs> like who are those other guys going to be? Yeah. Ultimately, the Steelers don't have as much on the line. So they're not going to be coming at this game like the Browns are, which allows Baker Mayfield to play elevated football assuming his wide receiver is clear protocol and can play in this one unlike they were unable to, unable to against the Jets. Baker Mayfield should go out here and shine in this game. And if he does, he can then go to to the front office and say, I'm the guy. You see it. I brought y'all back to the playoffs. It's a must-win game. I played well. I shined here. You don't want to go and try and find out the grass is greener in the NFL. You know how hard it is to find a franchise quarterback. Make me the guy because I've earned it. So there's a lot on the line, not just for postseason, not just for all this hype leading up to the, the precipice, the apex of it all, to beat the Steelers to get in. But for Baker to make that statement, this is my position. Okay, I agree with you. Tons of pressure. uh, Tons of pressure. I don't know that he's going to go get paid or he's going to ask the front office to pay him. No, he's going to tell him. (laughs) He's going to tell him on the field. He's going to tell him on the field by beating the Steelers. A lot of quarterbacks that can make a lot of money 
this weekend. I look at Mitch Trubisky. I look at Baker Mayfield at the front of the line. Are they the most talented? Nope. But are they in position to earn that money? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, here's Dan Orlovsky. Yesterday, he's our ESPN football analyst. who's on NFL Live. And he said it would be the dumbest thing for the Steelers to play Big Ben on Sunday. They need another quarter? They played 16 games, bud. Like they, right. they played 16 yeah. games. They played, I just we told agree. you they played five games in 25 days. You want them to go play preseason game four? The yeah. dumbest thing that Mike Tomlin could do would be trot out Ben Roethlisberger, and all of a sudden he gets a hit on an elbow, a hand, and all of a sudden the playoff run is dead. And so you have the opportunity yeah. because of the work you've put in to take advantage of this, this is 100% the right decision by Tomlin. Okay, the only thing I'll say to this, and you're doing it too, we're making Big Ben out to be this, like, fragile ball of glass. Season-ending surgery a year ago. I get it. He's Quarterbacks played, are hurt all over this He's played league. the entire season. It's a violent sport. Okay, okay, hi, welcome to football. It's a violent sport. So Thank sit you. Your guy I know, per- okay? What's, I'm aware. What's, what's at stake here? Potential injury or what? A but you could position? say that for any quarterback or any team going across the entire National no, Football League. Yes, you could. You're risking injury every time you step onto that football field. But there's, a, there's an ability that they've earned the privilege of not having to go out there and risk it this Sunday. Fair. And that That's is true. That's a privilege. But we are acting like because Mike Tomlin is doing this, like it, we have to do it. Big Ben is very you fragile. Do you don't want him to get nicked in the elbow. You or, don't want to You know, Miles Garrett might sack him. Like, oh, no. I understand the reasoning. Of course, I'm not an idiot. Like, it makes perfect sense. However, he is not, like, going out and playing hard for one quarter or a half to just kind of get right and just go through the motions and make sure your offense is all on the same page. It, it, uh, come on. That's not going to risk a complete – like, it's not like you're putting him in, in garbage time in the fourth quarter where not everyone's playing hard. I don't think he is this ball of glass that we're all making him out to when be. I, when I used to go out when we first started dating and, oh, I'd, be, and I'd be out late, what would you say? Why are you doing that? Yeah, why, why are you what? out so late? Actually, I was like, stay out late again and things are about to change. <laughs> because there's an unnecessary risk that I was running. I, I didn't need to be doing it. I, I, already, I already got everything I need. So I'm just going to sit it out. Oh, my, <laughs> I'm going to remember this. My, young days, my young days out in the streets with my buddies when we were just started dating and exploring this thing, it was reckless. But I know what I've got. I need to protect what I've got. I'm never even considering that now at this point in my life. And it's the same thing with the Steelers. Steelers don't need to be out in these streets trying to risk it all. Steelers got it really good at home right now at this very point. They've earned the position to sit here and say, Ben, chill. Let's focus on the postseason. Let's get right mentally, physically. And because of those COVID gymnastics that put the the pressure on their schedule, that was also part of the implosion there along with the offense trying to figure it out, all that came to a head. Now you can take a deep breath, refocus, get ready, 0-0 for a postseason. Uh, I would say that is the biggest reason why I'm on board with with uh, the Steelers sitting Ben Roethlisberger. Not because he's older, not because we could risk injury, not because they don't need to play him, because they've already locked up being in the playoffs. I think the biggest reason that I'm on board with them sitting Big Ben is because of the way the schedule has gone for them and because the bye came at such an inopportune time for the Steelers. So beginning Tuesday, January 5th, Mike Greenberg begins his show. Greeny immediately following Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio. Greeny will take you inside the stories of the day as only he can. We'll have the newsmakers you'd expect and interact with you every single day from Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right into Greeny weekday mornings on ESPN Radio. Also today is the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic between Florida and Oklahoma and 
1995 Cotton Bowl MVP and a Cotton Bowl Hall of Famer, that would be Keyshawn Johnson, joins us right now on the Goodyear Hotline brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Keyshawn, good morning to you. We're sitting here on your show, so thanks for having us. (laughs) Um, And yes, today is the Goodyear Cotton Bowl, so I ask you, considering you are a Goodyear Cotton Bowl legend, what are your memories from playing in the Cotton Bowl? Well, first of all, good morning to you guys, too. And I got to cut my vacation short because I might get Wally pipped with y'all sitting there oh, on the set, you know? Stop it. No wanna, shot, brother. I don't want to. Y'all been doing such a good job. <laughs> Thank but you. I'm starting to get a little nervous. <laughs> oh, please. I think it's just he knows early. Better. Yeah, he, he knows, knows better. He knows, he knows better. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your Cotton Bowl memories, though, from, from 1995 as the, as the MVP and a Cotton Bowl Hall of Famer, Key. Well, it, it was obviously my first bowl game that I ever played in. My mom is from Dallas, Texas, and so I had, gosh, man, I probably had 60, 70 family. It was like a little mini family reunion in the stands, um, you know, the whole week. The the interesting thing about the Cotton Bowl, and they had some great players on it, uh, Zach Thomas and Byron uh, Hansbar, the running back, and Marcus Coleman, my former Jet teammate. So it was like a, some really, really good uh, players on the team. But the the one thing that I remember outside of going nuts on them is, you know how they have the, um, the, the like dinners, like they have these d- dinners at bowl games sure. where the teams meet each other and kumbaya and the whole thing. And our coaches uh, were, were asking Texas tech coaches, what should we wear to the dinner? And Texas tech coaches said, Oh, just come, just come casual, you know, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's, you know, in and out, introduce the teams, you guys will be fine. And so they gave us, our school gave us these sweats, you know, USC Trojans, Nike sign, Cardinal and Gold sweats. We get off the bus, bus 150 deep. We got on sweats. We walk in there. They suited and booted to the nines. So they made us look like we were some California, just don't care, laid back, type dudes while they was respectful and the whole thing man that made my coach so mad oh he was he was ticked off for the next several days (laughs) and and when we got a chance to put it on them we put it on them and reminded them of that that they pulled a little stunt on us to try because the newspaper headlines was said something about being disrespectful to the tradition of the cotton bowl we was like oh my god we just got duped okay no problem (laughs) In case, in case you're wondering what Keyshawn did in that 1995 Cotton Bowl, he, line, caught, he caught eight passes for 222 yards. He had three Oof. touchdowns. It was a 55-14 Oof. win over Texas Tech. Texas Tech didn't score until it was 48 to so nothing. rude. So I don't know if today's Cotton Bowl is going to go the same way. It's Florida and Oklahoma going up against each other in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. Who do you like, Florida or Oklahoma in today's version? I, I, think, I, like, I think I like Florida. Uh, I like Kyle Trash. I like Kyle Pitts, the the Kyle brothers. I, I kind of like what their offense Dan Mullen does with those guys. Um, and I think that they they just want to go out on a great note, uh, you know, to so start off next year. And when you look at Oklahoma, I mean, they're okay, right? They They, they tend to do a lot better running the football with the air raid offense than most teams across the country who's trying to do it. Um, I think the one thing that they've been able to do 
is get the young quarterback in what is it? I always screw it up. Rattler, Rattler, Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler. Spencer. You got it. Spencer yeah, Rattler. I always screw it up. I don't know why I always <laughs> want to call him something different. Um, they kind of got him to settle down throughout the course of the year. I think he's going to be a, a, a good talent for them as time goes by. When you look at them, though, in bowl games, they've seen the struggle. Uh, they just they they don't play well in. I mean, they play okay in bowl games, but they tend to lose them. Yeah. And I think the same thing will happen again this year in the Cotton Bowl against Florida. I think Florida will put the SEC power on them. ESPN Radio has you covered for bowl game action. Make sure you tune in today for the Goodyear Cotton Bowl presented by Goodyear. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. They Eastern need another quarter? on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Now, Keyshawn, I know one game and one team that you don't like, and, and that is the Rose Bowl presented by Cotton One, Capital One, and that's Notre Dame and Alabama. And, Shay, if you'll give me a few minutes here to lean into this one with Key, because uh, I, I got some questions for him. We know that I'm a Notre Dame alum. We know that this is Keyshawn Johnson's show. We know that my man is as accomplished as any when it comes to football and talking about it. But I got some questions on your take. You think Notre Dame has absolutely no shot versus Alabama. Can you reinforce why for me real quick? Well, I think you, you – I think they got better athletes, number one, right? They they just got better athletes. I think you know I like Brian Kelly as a coach, uh, but the big pop over there on the sidelines and Steve Sarkeesian, just they plug and play, man. They just really are. Um, I think when you look at their weapons across the board, they got three guys that are all first team All Americans <laughs> on that on one side of the ball. <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 that and if you want to talk about a form of big three, which was originally. Deemed after, deemed after the Dallas Cowboys and Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin. Well, you got Smith, you got Harris, and you got Jones. So it, it, it starts right there. And then let's not go to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it just, it's just – it's not a shot. I'm sorry to say it. It's just not a chance. I mean, I told you – look, I told you Here we go. This a week or so ago about Clemson and what Clemson would do. Imagine what Alabama getting ready to do. It just it, and, and I get it. Ian Book has played well. Ian Book is thirty and four as a starting quarterback. I understand that, but them thirty wins wasn't against Alabama, not one of them. So it's it's not my hate for Notre Dame or anything like that. It's my it's my reality. And the reality said they get they get ready to get run out of the damn building. But but here here's why I want to ask you, Key, and this is why, and my wife Shay will tell you, this is why I enjoy listening to you as much as anybody because you keep it real. But it's always fact based. Like it comes from emotion, experience, and fact when you talk about something. So I think about you know Jalen Rose, another colleague here, how he talked about being at Michigan and how they viewed Duke, Duke basketball, and you being the incredible athlete and, and football player you were, a star wideout at USC. And you played Notre Dame in 94 and 95. 95 went Notre Dame's way, although you were the better team. You were the more talented player. You went on to achieve great things being drafted number one. But Jalen said that they looked at Duke as these soft guys, these uh, upper crust guys that didn't really have it, weren't rugged and thorough like they needed to be. I kind of feel like Trojans, Bama, uh, any of these teams that are elite programs that have the history, look at Notre Dame like Jalen kind of looked at Duke. Is there any fairness to that kind of thing. Will you speak to the perception of Notre Dame? Because I feel like that plays here, too, unfairly. No, you know what's so crazy is that in recent history, I think you probably 
look at it that way. But when Lou Holtz was coaching the team, it was some mischievous behavior <laughs> with the Chris Zorches of the world, the Todd Lights, the Bettises, the Rocket Ishmaels. That was like, that's that you-know-what right there. <laughs> that's when Notre Dame was, even if they were to lose a game and didn't play for the national championship, I was okay with that. But once I realized growing up that it was all smoke and mirrors as I got older, it was like, oh, no. Nah. But when they was with Notre Dame, when Lou Holtz was there, they, they had some of them rough, kind of rough around the edges type individuals that you might be talking about, you know? And, and so growing up, you watching it, you're like, oh, yeah, I can, I can mess with them. But then as I got older and got into high school, deeper into high school, and I really started to dive into it, it was like, yeah, I don't know. That's not that's not really for me. That ain't, that's not really what I'm talking about. And I think that is kind of the the perception that's out there. It's not it's not that they have a. That, okay, so here's what I'm gonna say. Keith, they got some dogs now. They got some dogs. Duke wins now. national titles. So it's a. Mike says he's been there seventeen thousand hundred million years. And they continue to be a factor in the tournament where Notre Dame hasn't in a long time. And they, even though they're in the tournament, they're not a factor. If Duke gets in the tournament, Duke's a factor. Notre Dame's in the tournament is not even a factor. It's kind of like, oh, okay. But these are, this is a Final and, Four. And, this is a second Final Four in the last three and, years. And, and, in, in in every time they get in it, what does people say? Key, Why are Key they let me ask you this because my wife's looking at me like I'm going way too long yeah, with you, you here. You but are. this is the one segment you know I was looking forward to. Getting okay. the right. man who get showed it. Just let me just let me ask you this. Key, if if, if Notre Dame comes out here and wins this game, you've been kind enough Wait, to let us. They, hold on one sec. You said out here. Are they are they going they're not playing it in LA, right? They moved it to Texas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that they go out here on the field. If they go out on the field. Oh, oh okay. They okay, go, all right. It, you almost you, you threw me for a loop right there. <laughs> the Rose Bowl is being played down in Dallas. That's a good point. If they go out there and they win that game, me and Shay, we've been lucky enough to fill in on your show alongside Jay Will and Zubin. You give me five minutes to come on here and and, and just gloat about what Notre Dame football is oh, and just gosh. show my behind on your show – for five minutes. Every, no, and not, you, not only that, I'll do. I'll take it a step further. Okay. If Notre Dame beats Alabama, I'll wear Notre Dame gear from head to toe. <laughs> we'll get some Notre Dame. Well, I'll look like an alum from the 1960s. Nah, G, you're doing it for a week, Key. You're doing it for All a right, week. Let's not go too I'll far. Do it. That's how confident I am that they not going to win. I'll do it for a week. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, we've completely See, but that's the bulletin. I will do it for a week. That's the bulletin board material we athletes thrive on. You're, you're doing us a service here, Key. Notre Dame's listening if, to if this. If you need bulletin board material to beat Alabama, good luck, man. God <laughs> bless you. That is true. That All is right. very true. Keyshawn Johnson, thanks best, so Keith. much for the time. We appreciate talking to you. Enjoy the Cotton Bowl presented by Goodyear later on today. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and start looking for some gear. I'm just kidding. I am just hey, kidding. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> See you, Key. The college football playoff is on ESPN, and ESPN Radio coverage begins on ESPN Radio at 3 p.m. Eastern. Coming up next, what will the Patriots do at the quarterback position? That is the big question now heading into the postseason. Not what is their seed, not who are they playing. 
What are they going to do at the quarterback position? That's next. You're listening to Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. We are Shay and Jordan Cornette filling in for the guys today. We're also presented by Progressive Insurance and all guests of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Join us via the Goodyear hotline, and that's where we're going right now because we're going to talk to former Patriots quarterback Matt Castle. Matt, good morning to you. Um, good morning, dear. Good morning. So, Patriots have gone on a good run. It's been it's been lovely. But this is weird for all of us that the Patriots are not in a place right now where they're playing for something in the postseason. And so we look to the future, and especially at the quarterback position. What is going to happen with the quarterback position in New England going forward? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, but at the same time, like Cam was here on a, on a one-year deal, right? And they got a mm-hmm. great deal to bring him in, and, and they're hoping for um, great things from him. And he did, he's done everything that Coach Belichick asked him to do, right? He came in, he bought into the Patriot way. He's been a tremendous leader. And look, throughout the course of the season, he started the season strong and then went through a rough patch after the COVID and all that stuff hit and then started to play better starting in the first game in Buffalo and then, and then won some games against like the Ravens and stuff like that. But as the year has progressed and particularly in these last three games, he's digressed from where he was and, and it's not all on cam, right? But at the same time, the production hasn't been there. And you can see the limitations that have started to come up in terms of being able to throw the ball accurately, effectively, efficiently downfield. And, and so with that all being said, I mean, I don't see cam coming back next year unless, unless they felt, felt like through the evaluation of the tape and everything like that, that the lack of weapons that he's had, the lack of production at the tight end position, that those things were major factors in, in why he wasn't as successful as everybody had envisioned. Matt, it's great to be talking to you today because if anybody can speak to having to be flexible in a season, find a quarterback that is a solution and go out there and win games, it would be you. I mean, you go back to 2008, and I think about Tom Brady, who at that point was the reigning Super Bowl MVP, goes down with a knee injury, and you step in and show your worth and value in this league, leading those Patriots to 11 wins that season as the starter. So the Patriots found a way that year. Uh, it didn't lead to the playoffs, but it was still a, a fun watch and a good team. That being said, do you believe that Bill Belichick can take one of these quarterbacks? Um, you weren't established in a league at that point, but you became a player in this league. Can he take maybe one of these guys who's broken in this league? It wasn't Cam Newton, but take one of these other guys like a Jameis Winston, maybe a Jimmy G, bring them back there and make them work? 
Yeah, you know what? I absolutely believe in that because I believe that they have developed players like that and put them in a position to be successful. And I know that this coaching staff, particularly Josh McDaniels, who I got to work with when I was there, he, he does a tremendous job of putting you using the player's strengths and putting you in a position to be successful continuously. And again, you have to also look, look, when I stepped in, right, we had an explosive group of guys. We had Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Jabbar Gaffney. I mean, you can go up and down the list of guys like we, we had probably the best weapons in the league that year. And so you look at what Cam's working with this year. Well, they lost Julian Edelman to kill Harry, their first round draft pick hasn't been able to step up. Um, and, and then they're playing with, Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird. Like I said, it, it's, there's a lot of moving parts for whether or not a quarterback can be successful, but you have to put, surround him. It takes all 11 guys on offense it, to be successful, and you have to surround him with those weapons to be successful. And so whoever they bring in here next year, I think that they could be successful, but they also can't turn a blind eye to the fact that the receiver, the receiver group needs attention and also the tight end group needs attention. Okay, so in that same vein, by the way, we were talking to Matt Castle, former Patriots quarterback on the Goodyear hotline. Matt, in that same vein, there were no weapons for Cam Newton. And so if Tom Brady was in Cam Newton's position this year, could he have had a capable offense? Well, you know, that, that's, that's the big question because we saw even last year with the offensive struggles. Now, the one big benefit that Tom Brady had was he, he was in the, in that system for 20 some odd years. Right. <laughs> and with the truncated off season and with Cam coming in, really just getting to go in and compete during camp and then go right into season. I think it, it was a difficult task to say the least for any quarterback, but at least Tom w- w- kind of had the same supporting cast as what Cam did last year. Um, I mean, Cam, Cam has this year as he did last year. And there was their own struggles last year. People were getting frustrated and the passing game wasn't what it seemed and everybody's talking about Brady. But again, I think the benefit for Brady last year was the defense was much better last year. And at the same time that he, he's been part of the offense for so long that he could get himself out of bad situations, make checks at the line and understood um, the, the offense a lot more and could run it much more effectively. Matt, I'm going to put you in a position to be the front office guy here for New England. And you talked about you need you definitely need more targets. That goes without saying. And we've kind of touched around some of these other potential options out there. If you can get one person that's not Cam Newton, that will be most likely available as we can project, which one of these quarterbacks out there in the free agent or trade market would be most ideal for New England system alongside Josh McDaniels? Oh, you know, it's it, that's a tough question because, like, you, I mean, I, I, I love guys like Marcus Mariota, for instance, you know, and, and but, I mean, ideally, a guy that would fit the system and be incredible in it would be a guy like Matthew Stafford if, he, if he's available and they can do something with the trade from that standpoint because he, he is – I was with him in Detroit. He's, his mental IQ is top-notch. He can run this offense. He would learn it, but he's also – an incredibly accurate thrower and he's an established guy that can come in, add leadership, add veteran presence, do all those things. So a guy like Matt Stafford would be an incredible pickup for a team like the New England Patriots. If I had, if I was GM and I, I, because I just know Matt Stafford and I've been around some of these guys, 
I mean, he would fit fit that system perfectly. You want to go pat yourself on the back? I also said Marcus Mariota, too, and I got laughed out of the building here, Matt. <laughs> so it's nice to have somebody with your resume, your football <laughs> IQ, to speak to it because now maybe I'll get some respect in these walls. And it's not just my wife. It's the entire production team <laughs> that laughed me off the call uh, last week about that. So thanks, Matt, uh, for bringing some some levity, some clarity to this, this uh, conversation here. <laughs> Well, the funny part about that is they all told me you said that last week, and they told me to, that you probably would ask that, and then I would have to say that just to make you feel better. See, let's get Matt Castle on every day of the week. Well played. Well played. Well played, well played. Matt. All right, Matt Castle, thank you so much for the time. Happy New Year to you, buddy. Happy New Year, you guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. See you later. Look at that. Taste of your own medicine. That's not true. He was joking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You tried to pat yourself on the back. Still pat throw in markers. So pat myself on the back. <laughs> yeah. He meant Marcus Mariota because it makes sense. Okay. Makes Mariota so makes sense. perfect sense. Okay. Uh, can Ohio State compete with Clemson in the All-State Sugar Bowl? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One more thing before we let you go, because we are out of here shortly. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Shay and Jordan Cornette here with you. It's been a fun morning. Um, and... Got some college football back in action tomorrow over the weekend, especially the CFP. Talked a lot about Notre Dame, hence your little sweatshirt over there, because my husband is a Notre Dame alum, for those that can't see. So we talked about a lot about the Notre Dame-Alabama matchup, but not so much about the Clemson-Ohio State matchup. When he is not on the radio or hosting or doing college basketball, a hundred other things that he does here at ESPN, <laughs> my husband here, Jordan, also hosts at the ACC Network. So... He knows Dabo Sweeney up close and personally. He's seen this Clemson team probably far too many times than he'd like to admit. And so, when you look at their matchup against Ohio State, what do you see? I see a game that is – I look at Clemson first. I, I truly do. And this is no knock on Ohio State. I think they've got a fine team. I think Justin Fields has proven to be vulnerable as of late. Uh, I have questions, big questions with Ohio State's secondary, and that's where I start in this one. The questions with the secondary of Ohio State and the ability for Trevor Lawrence – to just dominate you going vertical. He's so great with the zone read. As a mobile guy, he can truly run that thing. Uh, People don't talk enough about Travis Etienne, their running back, Uh, the dual threat he is in terms of receiving out of the backfield, but also running the football. A lot of playmakers on the perimeter for Clemson, a whole lot of speed too. Where they've looked the most different, 
and where they looked the most different versus Notre Dame, James Skowski returning on the defense at the linebacker position. Clemson is playing as good a football as any team out of the four, and I'd say they're playing the best football out of any of the four teams in this playoff. I think Clemson wins the whole thing because I think Clemson's the best team in college football. People are, are salivating over Alabama and all that talent, deservedly so. I am not knocking Alabama. As much as I'm talking about Notre Dame beating Alabama, I think it's clear that a lot of that comes from my heart, and I'm not going to come out here and say Notre Dame's going to get ran off the field. It's a possibility, of course. That's Alabama. But if it is Alabama and Clemson in the title game, which I don't have, but if that's how it plays out, I think Clemson wins that game because I think Clemson is built for this. I think that that, that Trevor Lawrence has been waiting for this moment to punctuate his career. I think he's back healthy from COVID, and when this team has him on the field, he's lost one game as a starter. Like He is built for these moments, and so are the guys around him, but it's the defense and their elevated play. uh, Wiping out that Notre Dame game because they weren't healthy, they're giving up 15 points to the opposition all season long. Their defense is as impressive as their offense. They're the more balanced unit. And I like Clemson over Ohio State. And ultimately, I like Clemson and whoever they play in a title game. So you think Clemson is going to win it all. I feel yeah. like the narrative this year has been all about Alabama. And no one is shying away from it. So it's kind of refreshing to hear that you think someone other than Alabama I think they're the best the team. Clemson's the best team in this championship, in this CFP Final Four. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I can't disagree with you. I have not watched as much Clemson football as you have, so I'm not going to disagree with you. What I have watched is Clemson take care of Notre Dame handily the last time they faced each other. And I know it was yeah, the second yeah, time yeah. around. I understand. And I know where your heart is, but, um, I think Clemson is a really good football team. I also really closely watched Ohio state play Indiana because I'm an, an Indiana alum and, um, Indiana could have very easily won that game. Um, there were so many turnovers by Justin Fields, and I think Indiana's strength, obviously, this year on defense was turning the opposition over, and they were able to do that against Justin Fields. And the way you talk about Clemson's defense, that could definitely be a strength um, or an issue, rather, for Ohio State heading into that matchup. Okay, we asked earlier on Twitter, who should be the Patriots quarterback in 2021? And I've got some answers for you here, Jay, and some of them are a little comical. Like this guy, Mojo Trader, said, Nick Foles, the father of Tom Brady. Uh, (laughs) Well, you've seen what he's become in in Chicago. Ain't that Nick Foles? That was a Super Bowl MVP. And you remember Tom Brady didn't like to shake Nick Foles' hand. He did beat him in Chicago. That's the reference, too, playing playing furthering the father of Tom Brady role. That's right. He did get a win in Chicago. He did get a win in Chicago. And then you remember Tom Brady didn't shake his hand. I don't know what it is with... Nick Foles and Tom Brady. There's some bad blood there. We're going to have to get to the Something bottom Something tells of that. me Nick Foles won't be the guy. Yeah, no. Uh, Talk about someone who probably won't get another shot at a starting quarterback job. That would be Nick Foles. Yeah, he's had, he's had two My spots. My goodness. Time it did not work no well. No more. No more. There's no more third chances. Um, at AKA J-Rod said, Matt Stafford is an easy solution. So I love Stafford there. I mean, I heard, when I heard Aaron Rodgers say, people talk about how good some of these quarterbacks are himself, Mahomes, Brady's like, People overlook just how incredibly talented and just how elite of a quarterback Matt Stafford is. That was Aaron Rodgers talking about him, which further my point that I feel like all these empty stats coming out of Detroit with Stafford, sure, that's not on him that the team isn't very good. This guy can play, and if he's put in a proper system with a team playing meaningful football and Bill Belichick with chip on his shoulder and Josh McDaniels, the creative play caller on the sidelines, I love that marriage. And I think that's a real shot, too, with Matt Stafford. Pad Stafford is what some people call him because they pad his stats in games and I then ultimately the Lions don't win. I don't think it's fair. That's fair. 
Um, at Gary Lesepler, I'm going to say, said Jamarcus Russell. Gary, because I, I kick drum. Because I hate them. That's not nice. Wow, what is, why, are we, why are we dragging Jamarcus yeah, Russell? Really? What is this, eight years Gary. ago? Where does that come from, Gary, Gary on a kick on. drum? Gary, get that negativity out now because we're going to turn the page in 2021. That's I don't right. want to hear any more of that. Amen. Greg Nicholson said Jared Stidham was, more often than not, placed in the game during a tough spot. Is he not worth trying? They did draft him. Now, I'm going to answer Greg because I, I, I was surprised that um, Coach Bill Belichick didn't give Jared Stidham some time, you know, a two-game look, you would say, once they were ruled out of the playoffs and let him really take over this team as the starting quarterback. I think that in itself tells you that he's not going to be the quarterback next year, that they don't believe he can be the kind of game manager, quarterback, leader that they need on this Patriots team. What did everybody say coming in when Cam Newton was brought in there? And we laughed about it early on because Cam Newton looked good and they were winning in the beginning was, well, this was Jared Stidham's position. That's what everybody in New England was saying. And then Cam so swiftly took it from him and ran with it, which says to me at one point they wanted Stidham to be this guy. So when it went south with Cam, there wasn't a loyalty there to Cam. They would have loved to put Jared Stidham in there at any point when it went south. But they couldn't because Stidham quite clearly didn't have it either. They felt like Cam Newton was their best option, no matter how bad it got. That's a very clear indictment on what Jared Stidham could potentially bring. If you couldn't bring in Stidham when it got that bad, Stidham clearly is not an option. And again, you could make the same argument. Well, much like Cam didn't have weapons, Stidham didn't have weapons. Sure, maybe Stidham can benefit from coming in as a backup, being thrust into a role with worthy players around him to elevate his game. Maybe. Maybe the same for Cam. But neither of those guys are the option in New England currently. Yeah, No, I agree. The quarterback for next year is currently not in New England. If they wanted Jared Stidham, they would have played him. They would have started him. Just not the, not the case. And, and it's going to be Cam Newton's job again this weekend and maybe we see Jared Sidham come in late in the game that's truly how I think it's going to go so new quarterback regime next year in New England for sure happy birthday to LeBron James yes the king the goat well oh Chicago's own no 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 the current wow the current goat what is the goat Not- an acronym for greatest of all time she said no. it no, he wow. said it. No, no, heard it. just wow. right now he's the greatest of all time. Not all time, right forever. What? I take that back wholeheartedly. That's how you're going to end four Too hours. Too late, you said. Show. Sometimes I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> Anyways, it's been a fun morning, <laughs> everyone. I'm going to go walk out with my tail between my legs. For Jordan Cornette and Shay Cornette, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. 
Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.